Welcome to the Toffee Blues, your source for all things Everton. I am Jerry Still, and joining me today, I've got Terry as per the usual, but we have a special guest in the seat today. Sam Carroll of the Liverpool Echo joins us. Sam, good to see you. Thanks for coming on, man. Thanks for having me. Thank you for, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a cool accent as well, Jerry, so all good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm uh, I'm working on. It. I feel like it's a uh, it's a little more. I don't know. It's a little more boring. I feel like when people find out I'm from North Carolina, they expect a little more Southern. <laughs> uh, but but when I say North Carolina, it kind of comes out. You know, Winston Salem, North Carolina. So yeah, <laughs> can't help that one. <laughs> uh, Terry, you doing okay, man? Yeah, feeling good. Um, good to see you, Sam. I would say good to meet you, but we've, uh, we've yeah. met before, haven't we? Which which we'll sure we'll go into in a minute. Definitely. Black Horse, L4. Mm-hmm. Hold on. You guys know each other. Yeah. Teddy. Teddy. Okay. Uh, yeah, Teddy was a customer at the Black Horse pub where I was on a seven-year seven year shift. So, good, good mates, essentially, Teddy, aren't we? Yeah. Uh, shall I go? Shall I tell you the story, Jerry? Like, just go straight into it or... Yes, please do because this is uh, this is podcast intro stuff. So, <laughs> I, I and, and plus it's just me being curious and I dig it. Yeah, um... <laughs> Basically, we, me and Sam share a mutual friend, um, and one day, me and my, me and my wife, um, this friend and his wife, go for a meal in the Black Horse Pub, which is a pub quite local to Goodison Park. It wasn't a match day or anything like that, but we go in, and um, we're sitting to have food. Now, I get introduced to Sam um, by you know the mutual friend, and you know say hello and all that. And it's it's fine. Um, we. Our food order was wrong. There was a mistake on the food order. Not Sam's fault. He wasn't the chef or anything. But the manager came out to deal with the the issue, and she was really like rude about it, and like really sort of angry and accusational almost, like because we complained, like sort of made it sound like we were not. I think something was missing from the food order, and she was sort of acting like we never asked for it. And I was like, you know, pretty not happy about the way she was like dealing with it. She walks off. Sam, who's their employee, comes over and he's like proper, you know, five star, you know, customer service. He's he smooths everything over. He's really like really well spoken and everything. And it's it's all good. Now, at the time, in a previous life, I was a manager of a big um, big retail chain, and I just moved into a different store, a new store, and we needed more staff. And because his customer service, Sam's was so good. I was like, I said to my friend, our mutual friend. Would he want a job like somewhere else? Because I, I think he's brilliant. Like I was angry a minute ago, and now I'm fine because Sam's just smoothed it all over. Our friends asks him; he's interested. We set up an interview. The interview day comes. Sam doesn't show. <laughs> and I was in text contact, and, and Sam was like, "Oh, sorry, I, you know, I've got uni work and so on and so forth." And I was like, hey, okay, we'll set up another one. Set up another one ahead of time. Sam tells me, listen, I can't make it. Too much has come up. We'll have to just leave it. I went, okay, thanks for letting me know. No worries. Never thought about it again. About a year goes by, and I just see on Twitter, Sam Carroll of the Liverpool Echo posts this this uh, story. I forget what the story was. And I was like, I wonder. Clicked on the profile, saw the picture, and was like, 
and I messaged Sam went, are you Sam Carroll who used to work on the Black Horse who's friends with so-and-so? And he just went, the reply was, Terry, is that you? <laughs> so, just more, so in a in a way, the best thing that he ever did was not come for that interview because it might have stopped him pursuing that 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 day when you were doing uni work was crucial uni work towards becoming <laughs> an Everton FD journalist at the Liverpool Echo. So it worked out well. Every every other other happy end of that story, I think, didn't it? Yeah, because I honestly that that store would I'd have ruined your life. As of he's a, I'm not me personally, but you'd have you'd have resented me forever for making your work there because I, I Stockholm syndrome, and now you're uh, doing quite well out of it. So well done, mate. I'm uh, I'm happy for you. Thank you very much. That is the last story I expected to hear. <laughs> that is awesome. That's great. <laughs> So, uh, so Sam, how long have you been? How many years have you been with uh, Liverpool Echo? Um, how long? Literally, pretty much exactly two years. Two years this month. Two years. Yeah. So it's been it's been pretty fast. I think everyone that I work with would probably say feels a lot longer having to sit next to me every day. But it is what it is, isn't it? So. <laughs> yeah, that's what these guys uh, say about doing uh, podcasts and videos with their. American friend with long gray hair. That's yeah. <laughs> uh, so, but uh, regardless, this is awesome. Super glad you're here. You know, I've been reading reading stuff by you for a while, not even realizing who you were. Uh, so now I I have face with name, which is cool. Um, yeah. Uh, so we're we're gonna go ahead and jump into the the rest of the podcast for people who are listening via podcast. Here's what you got coming up. Uh, we're starting up with kind of a U23s report uh, where uh, Sam's gonna gonna lead us in, in I guess, uh, talk about the the U23 squad, the path to the first team, um, and we're just gonna check in because uh, frankly, I don't have enough U23s in my life right now, and I think Sam probably has plenty, so he's gonna share the knowledge. Uh, so then we're gonna go and talk about worst. Everton signings of the decade. Uh, this is, it is still January, so this still works in that cliche, hey, dot, dot, dot of the decade list that people do. So this is one of those. It's still within January. There's a grace period. So we'll be talking about the worst Everton signings of the decade. Uh, I will be talking about the whole decade because if I sit here and drop signings from the beginning of the decade, then Terry goes, Jerry, you weren't even watching Everton. And I, and I have to deal with that shit. So, no, not happening. Uh, anyway, so we'll talk about that. I expect this should be really fun, to be honest with you. And we're going to finish it up with a, with a quiz between these two gentlemen. Um, and uh, Quizmaster John has said he's playing dirty with this one. And then after I saw it, I'm like, ah, that is unexpected. So this, this could be fun. Uh, so that's all I'll say because uh, I, I don't exploiting. So we are going to move. We're going to begin and talk about the U23 squad. So Terry, uh, although you, maybe you watch every single match, we're going to start with Sam. He's our guest. Okay. The yeah. Look at how he's he's rankled over this. <laughs> so <laughs> that's his rankled face, everyone. So <laughs> anyway, Sam. So. Um, I'm assuming you've gotten to see the U23s a decent amount. Um, clear, every single year they, they compete and they end up looking really strong. 
Uh, some people would actually say that's that's not the best thing in the world, but we'll get into that later. Uh, so let's talk about this this Everton U23s team and uh, talk about general general play. And then if you want to start talking about players that are that are, seem to be standing out, and we'll we'll kind of go from there. Yeah, well, obviously the they won the kind of the double last season. They won the Premier League two uh, and the Premier League Cup, and, and kind of as you're saying, it looked like there was going to be a few certainly knocking on the door the first team, you know, we had Lewis Gibson, who impressed in pre-season. He scored that goal against Mainz. Um, and had a lot of people kind of talking about him. And there was a few others from that team. But, you know, I think that the expectation was that it was going to kind of break up. You know, we, we've seen it over the last few years. People like Keaton Dahl uh, went out on loan. Matthew Pennington, Josh Barlow joined Hull. You know, a lot of lads kind of from that team have left or stepped into the first team. Like Tom Davis, Luckman played with the under-23s, Calvert-Lewin. Uh, Holgate as well for a little bit and they've all made the step up so you know then you took this group and you looked at your Morgan Feeney's and your your Markellos and your Adenarans Fraser Hornby Basala Sambu you know there was a lot of decisions to make in terms of you know did he renew the contract did he go out on loan did he work with the first team to get sold but having another year in the under-23s didn't really seem to be the, the option uh, at that time uh, probably a, a mix of factors then um, and you know injuries included have then meant that a few lads have, have kind of ended up hanging on uh, I was at the game against Arsenal on Monday night at Hague Avenue you know it was a pretty bad pitch freezing cold it was 3-all uh, um, but you know it, it, you, you probably wouldn't have said in the summer you know you'd have expected to be seeing an Everton under 23 team with Joe Virginia who joined Redden in the summer Lewis Gibson played Morgan Feeney played Benny Beningamy who's been on the bench for the first team this season played Anthony Evans turned to 22 this year he played uh, so so this month now kind of comes down to being an interesting month where, where people could end up kind of moving on because it is still a very a very old team in, in, in under 23 kind of context uh, I went to speak to the under 18s manager Paul Tate a few weeks back and, and he kind of admitted that you know the Premier League 2 and under 23 teams now tend to be more of an under 19 team uh, for, for most of the teams in the division you know if you think about making that step up from under 18s and then you fill the under-23s team with young lads. Everton's, for, for one reason, under hasn't, and I think that is kind of stifling that, that pathway a little bit. You know, I think a, a couple of lads against Arsenal this week, you know, there's a lad called Sebastian Quirk, who scored the under-18s last weekend. He made his Premier League 2 debut against Arsenal. You know, Tyler Onyango, 16, has really high hopes for him. He's made a few appearances this season. Ella Sims stepped up, Einar Iverson made an appearance on Monday, but hasn't had a lot of regular football at that level. So, you know, it is a, it is a big task and it, it kind of does affect the first team and it also affects Marcel Brands and, and, and Unsworth and Carlo Ancelotti as well. You know, Brands spoke at the AGM this week about, you know, brokering 70 deals since he's been at Everton and, and this doesn't necessarily, you know, I think some people were kind of saying well, we haven't signed 70 players, but, you know, if you think about outgoings and players he's sold and then young players he's loaned out, but certainly there's there's going to be a change at, at, at that level. And I think we are now kind of seeing the, the biggest transition since when they, they first won the league under David Unsworth. You know, because that team had Dowell and Pennington and John Joe Kenny, Calvert-Lewin, Luckman, Galloway played a couple of games in that season. You know, and, and now they've all moved on. And that's what, what we're seeing now. Anthony Evans is out of contract at the end of the season. Lewis Gibson is out of contract at the end of the season. Morgan Feeney is out of contract at the end of the season. Uh, and then they've also signed Jared Brantway from Carlisle this week, who was who was watching on. So there's a real change in the, the guard at the moment. 
uh, as you said, we probably will speak about it. You know, you do see a little bit of people um, questioning the way they play a little bit or, or the style or why more players uh, aren't getting into the first team, which is a difficult one, isn't it? I think it was heightened by the fact that we, we lost to Liverpool. You had players like Nico Williams and Curtis Jones and Harvey Elliott all playing. And, you know, Liverpool and 23s haven't been successful in terms of trophies, but they seem successful in terms of bringing players through to the next level. And I think Carlo Ancelotti kind of did admit that recently when he said he'd be holding talks with academy staff to, to kind of question why why this is the case. And I think Everton probably do on the whole have to find a little bit of a better balance to start opening up that pathway because, you know, our academy is famous for, for bringing players through. And I think I've got a piece going up tonight on the, the Echo website which kind of points out that Marco Silva was the first Everton manager since Mike Walker in 1994 to not hand a player his debut from the academy. So there's been no Everton Academy graduate since uh, 2017 against Apollo and Limassol. Uh, Anthony Gordon played in that in that game, so that's why he doesn't count. So, you know, we're, we're looking at now over two years since since we've had an academy graduate, which for, for any Evertonian, uh, no matter where you're from, it's, it's disappointing. Yeah. Um... It does seem like with uh, certain positions being thin in the first team, you see certain players kind of peeking through. You know, uh, you mentioned Anthony Gordon has already gotten a, a, day, a first team debut. However, it does seem like he's he was he's been pretty close. Uh, and you look at you know it, we've just been so thin at uh, in center mid. I know uh, Adoniran is another player that has been getting legitimate consideration with the first team and training a lot with them. Uh, are there any any other players that you're thinking, like, Carlo may give a shot to, or is it a thing where a lot of the stronger players are going to start going out alone to some of these lower league uh, teams to, start, to kind of – they may have talent, but maybe they need to build up consistency, like physical consistency. Yeah, I think, obviously, uh, I'm, I'm, I'd, I'd be very surprised if – Carlo gave a debut to, to anyone this season, maybe with mm-hmm. the exception of, of a Deneran, if, if his hand was forced in, in that sense of, of injuries and the form we've had this, this season towards the end of this, the campaign. Maybe, pr- probably now, your, your Feenies and your Gibsons, you know, whether they will probably go out on loan, but only if they agree a new contract. Otherwise, it seems right. because the, their contract ends at the end of the season, I'm not sure whether we'd loan someone out just to lose them at the end of the year. Uh, you know, there's a couple of lads in there, isn't there? You know, Anthony Evans, you know, what a delivery he's got on him. He's got a brilliant cross and he's a brilliant player, but he, he does now need to go out and play men's senior football somewhere else, you know. And I think it was probably around this time last year where David Unsworth himself admitted that and said, you know, whether it was Everton's first team or someone else's first team, he has to play first team football. And, and that is still sadly not the case for Anthony. So, you know, someone like him, he, he's looking to, to go out now and, and, and find that find that opportunity somewhere. Probably the big one, which, which everyone knows about, is Ellis Sims. You know, he scored almost 50 goals for the under-18s last season and, and signed a new contract. You know, there was rumours that there was, you know, interest from Germany and, and clubs looking at him. And, you know, I spoke to, I spoke to David Unsworth at the start of this season and, and Unsworth, kind of, you know, he wasn't included in the first years and Unsworth just kind of said, you know, you know, the, the stuff he needs to work on and now he's, he's worked on it. He was, he was doing double sessions of Finch Farm last season to work on his head and his left foot and his hold up and these sessions are kind of continuing this season from from what David told me on Monday but 
think what's uh, what Unsworth is struggling with at the moment, you know, he kind of said on Monday night, you know, everyone will see Ella Sims scored another two goals. And, and honestly, I don't know if, you, if, if anyone's had the chance to see them. I'm sure they're on YouTube somewhere. Two fantastic goals. One is a, is an outside of the foot finish into the top corner. Another one, he holds his man off, runs runs pretty much 10, 15 yards towards goal and, and just finishes it like a striker who's, who's been playing football for 20 years. You know, brilliant goals. Really turned the game on its head and brought the game to life. But as Unsworth pointed out, everyone then sees Ella Sims scores two against Arsenal. He's put him in the first team, play him, and it's mm-hmm. it's it's not it's not quite the case, you know. Sims, right. I don't right. think anyone expected Sims to probably be doing as well as he has done now. I think that's eight goals for the season, a, a fantastic return, you know. Everton on twenty three, he's lost the two top scorers last season, Hornby, on loan to Belgium, a team in Belgium, and Basala Sambu left on a free transfer, and and El Sims has stepped up, but there are definitely aspects of his game that he needs to work on, but I think. The real, the real carrot for a lot of these young lads, uh, and I'd probably put Sims, Joe Virginia, the goalkeeper, uh, Lewis Gibson, if he signs a new deal. Probably put them three in the bracket of uh, if they have a strong second half of the season, whether that's in the twenty-threes or out on loan. Uh, I'd, I'd, I'd assume they'd be part of Carlo Ancelotti's pre-season squad, and what an opportunity that'll be to to put yourself in front of a three-time Champions League winner and and, and really show kind of what you're all about. So, definite, definite excitement over them three. Anthony Gordon goes without saying, but the rest are the young lads who have mentioned earlier. You know, you've got Ryan Astley. He's a 17-year-old defender, but he's been pretty much playing at that level now for the last 12 to 18 months. Probably still a little bit too young for a loan. He'll have to keep working in the under-23s. Or you've got your lads like Anthony Evans, Nathangelo Markello. You know, we, we signed him from Holland, but probably needs to make a decision on his future and, and, and what he does next. So I kind of think that the majority of the team now is either young and developing and going to have to be nurtured by Unsworth and, and, and the young and the kind of coaching staff there or make, make the decision to leave and, and start their own kind of senior career because what Everton have got, have had too much of it over the last couple of seasons is players reaching, you know, Tyus Browning, Matthew Pennington, Keen Dahl. They're all 22, 23, 24, 25 and still still on the books of Everton, so is there any point on, unless we're kind of, you know, it's not just uh, not good for the club to kind of have this backlog of players, it's it's not good for the player kind of going through the motions with loan deals, and which are, which don't always work out, you know, we've seen quite a lot of Everton in the last couple of years, loan deals aren't guaranteed to always work, or playing under 23 football, and for me, I think what you're over the age of 21, 22, you've got to start looking at either being out on loan or, or making an impression on the first team because it's, it's not always the ideal environment to be in within the 23s. All right. Uh, so, Terry, do you have anything in particular you want to address uh, uh, of the many topics that we've covered so far or if you have any specific questions? Um, like I, I wasn't sure if you had anything my, in mind in terms of conversation topics, uh, directions where you wanted to take this. I've got a couple of ideas, but I wanted to go to you first because I've spoken and you have not. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I'd rather hear from you, frankly. <laughs> no, not, not really. Sam's um, touched on, on pretty much anything I wanted to talk about, but um, to expand on things... It, and uh, one other thing, one a couple of the things he said. Um, obviously, Marcel Brands has outlined again in the AGM, you know, his, his sort of vision for the 
for how the you know, the pathway in the club and how the squad work. He wants twenty three you know senior players and room for some you know academy players to come through. So that's basically two for each position and three goalkeepers. Um, a lot of people have got a lot of frustration about how the under twenty threes don't seem to have you know had this massive turnarounds from before Brands got here, but. Obviously, he's got to do the first team first, and he's still, I think, one summer away from doing that. I think this summer you'll see Brands probably finish the job he started when he first came in, and we'll get the rest of the senior players who aren't really in the in the plans off the books by you know by contracts being up or by sales. Uh, and then obviously the, the big you know project will be the under twenty threes. Um, the under twenty threes as well can be. If yeah, you don't have to produce players to every one of them go in your first team, you know you can. It's a steady form of income because you can get fees and you know for players to go out and impress. Um, the only thing I really want Sam to expand on is what 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 have you found from you know covering them? As they, I'm speaking to David Unsworth, have you found the sort of um, what what their take is on some of the loans that don't work out or the older lads who go out and like. Was last season we had a uh, Browning and Galloway come back and like that surely you know you've got no obligation to give them you know time and minutes because they're on bigger contracts and they've gone out to like Sunderland or whatever and they've come back and it's the same with Joe Virginia at, um, at Redden although he's you know he's bit, bit of a different one because he's been brought in by the current um, setup but mm-hmm. for example Bra- uh, Browning and Galloway they go out they go on loan they don't they either don't play or they don't play enough come back and then they're sort of in the way of some of the newer lads who are coming through. Uh, is there a is there a take from the under-23s, I suppose, is my question, on getting these players better loans? Because a lot of these loans seem to happen where they go out and it's not a good fit. Like, they the, 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 the go into teams who aren't going to play them or only see them as squad players. And, you, you know, what ideally, even if it's a lower-down team, you want your young player to go out and play well in another club, and either come back a better player for the experience, or impress enough to potentially get a move and earn the club some money. Have they have they have they spoke about that about how the you know these loans tend to work and not work so often? Uh, well, I think to start with, it's it's difficult to kind of have that. You know, you, you're not in a, a dream world, and, and and no club is. You know, if if you go through every club, not every loan works out perfectly and, and you know there's, there's also an undercurrent to, to every single loan you know because you know we, we love to kind of look and say oh he's not doing well or he's 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 doing great but sometimes when you look deeper into the loan maybe they've learned things or, or they haven't learned things that, that you might have kind of uh, suppose but I think the thing with the with the loan deals at the moment is there's definitely been a leaning now towards and, and, and even payment transfers but looking abroad that's definitely something Marcel's brought in you know when you look at John Joe Kenny to Schalke, Fraser Hornby to Kortreich in Belgium. Uh, Benny Beningami was very close to joining a team in Denmark, which ultimately fell through. So, you know, Marcel Brands, I think, is more open to sending players abroad. And, and, and that's it. Kenny at Schalke and Fraser Hornby at Kortreich both seem to be going fairly well. Kenny especially, uh, which is promising. So, so that seems to be something... Uh, the other thing that you just can't account for is these are young lads. You know, Joe Virginia on paper was a successful loan because Ren loaned him and installed him as first choice goalkeeper and he started the first two championship games of the season. 19-year-old lad and who makes two mistakes and, and get and then gets dropped. You know, so that that is just pure inexperience slash unfortunate because out of 
Uh, I think I wrote in a piece this week. Out of all the players who went out on loan last season, I think Joe Virginia this season, sorry. Joe Virginia was probably the one that Marco Silva at the time probably was thinking if he goes out and has a good season, he'll really put himself in contention to, to be Jordan Pickford's major rival. And, you know, it, it just hasn't quite worked out like that. So I definitely expect to see a more uh, European kind of look to our loans. I think Greta Steinton spoke at a, a White Scout, the Scouting Tour conference, a few months back now, where he kind of, you know, even he admitted that now this loan market isn't just about sending them to, you know, the traditional Wiggins and your Charlton's and your League One, your League Two loans. Now, with with the scouting tools available, teams from all over the country can have really kind of top data on on our under twenty three team and and their metrics in in the under twenty three. So, you know, that that that's an avenue Everton are keen to push it seems, which is exciting. Talk about your, your kind of earlier point about brands then cleaning out the uh, the under twenty threes and, and reshaping it is that I think we all kind of and and me myself included in this we all have a very kind of football manager FIFA outlook to things sometimes you know this summer you can sometimes sit down and you look at it and you're like right we'll sell Balassi for this much and we'll sell him and then we'll loan him and we'll loan him and it's not quite as as easy as that sometimes and and for me. Although it's not the perfect answer, I think 2021 and 2022 is when we're really going to see a regeneration of the under-23s because this is when a lot of contracts run out. Uh, will we be able to get rid of Sandro Ramirez? Will we be able to get rid of you know your Balassies and other young lads who've got pretty nice deals? You know, even you think like many people remember Luke Garbutt is, is still on a fairly decent wage at Everton, and, and that contract doesn't expire until this summer. So I think slowly but surely we're going to get there, but we probably won't start seeing a, a, a real regeneration and, and be able to see the kind of sweeping effects of, of any changes Marcel Brands and Carlo Ancelotti want to make until maybe 12, 18 months' time, which you know will frustrate some people and, and, and can be difficult. Uh, the other thing you have to contend with you know, when you're talking about older players coming back and playing for them in 23, you know, one big talking point this summer, uh, sorry, this season has been about Umar and the ass playing some games for the under-23s. You know, I've seen a lot of people talking about that. You know, why isn't Sims playing? Why isn't Mampala playing ahead of Nias? What's the point? Uh, but, you know, what people don't realise is that these lads ask to play. You know, Umar asked to play in the under-23s. It was a similar situation in the summer. Mohamed Besic asked to play a Chorley on a Tuesday night a non-league team that had even stylists there. He has to play because these lads weren't getting minutes with the first team and, and, and they want minutes and they want to prove their match fitness. They want to keep sharp in case a club comes calling. And on the other hand as well, you need Everton to kind of... Everton still need to be savvy. If, if a team come in for Umar or Kuko this this January, they can at least say, look, Umar got minutes there and he scored there, even if it is only under-23s football. So there's, there's a lot of different things happening, what people don't always see kind of ahead of you know team news and, and what people kind of want to read into things so you know sometimes I do feel sorry for David Unsworth because he is juggling a lot it's not as simple as this lad's great for the 18s play him this lad's this lad's a first team and don't play him it's it's not quite the reserve football that we were used to in maybe the 90s and the early noughties so there's a lot going on and there's still a lot to deal with and I think Everton would admit they, have, they haven't been perfect they haven't dealt with things perfectly and, and I feel quite frustrated sometimes because I think they've held some players' careers back and I don't mean that in the sense of I haven't in the first team but I still think there's lads there who probably could now be two or three years into a good championship or league one career if we hadn't been so 
uh, careful maybe. I, I think what, what has really affected us is that, you know, Martinez was <coughs> who came in. He, he, he liked the fear he brought in, you know, Tom Davis at the end of the day. Then he gets sacked, you know, then a new manager comes in in, in Unsworth, brought a, a lot of lads in from, from the younger age group. Then Sam Allardyce came in. There was that Limassol game where we handed five lads debuts. Then Marco Silva comes in. So, in the meantime, uh, you know, that means we've kind of been handing people contracts, I think, personally, just because we haven't been quite so sure on them, almost like a Harry Maguire, you know, looking back towards Michael Keane, Phil Jagielka, factor of these lads who've been released from clubs like Manchester United, and then all of a sudden they're worth 30 million years later. Maybe we've been handing out contracts to say, just in case, just in case. Oh, he looked quite good there. Give him a contract. Now we've got a lot of lads on deals till 2021, 2022, who are just in such an unfortunate limbo of being too good for under-23 football, but maybe not quite ready, or even just that we've got expensive players in those positions, or we haven't been in a position where you know managers at the end of the day at Everton are still gunning for short-term success. It wasn't like there was a point this season where Marco Silva could turn around and say, right, I'm going to play Anthony Gordon ahead of Theo Walcott, because you know his own position was under pressure, and it wasn't really the time to be to be giving people opportunities. So, you know, I see I see a lot. I see some people talking about under twenty three sometimes online, and it can be frustrating because I think they, they take a lot of things for face value when there's still a lot of stuff kind of going on in in the background. So you alluded to something earlier, and this question is for both of you. And this probably needs to be our last one because uh, it's beginning to swell, which, you know, it happens. Uh, every video does this. Uh, but uh, you mentioned, and not to sit there and, like, pick at wounds that are, um, you know, trying to heal at least, but you mentioned those uh, Liverpool Academy players who came in and pl- slotted in directly. And uh, some have argued that, they're able to slot in directly so easily and quickly because they are playing a similar style throughout their entire system. Um, I know, you know, I've gone to see, and, you know, again, this is in America, you know, I've gone to go see some of the U.S. Soccer Development Academies play, and I go and I watch New York Red Bulls, you know, U13s play, and I talk to their parents, and they're like, yeah, they play the same style as the senior team. You know, because they're trying to keep that going. Uh, it doesn't seem like that's a direction in which Everton are necessarily headed at the moment, but that it seems like that could be a good way to get more out of out of our academy. I feel like that is a big argument that I see being made on on Twitter all over the place. Um, uh, it, Unsworth does a good job, and he wins games, and he, he's focused. Wow, that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, my headphone fell out. Uh, but uh, he wins games, and he's focused on trying to get the best out of the players he has. But I wonder if there's a decent amount of communication between him and the first team, and you know, moving downward. So basically, just want some comments from you guys about uh, it is a little bit of a dilemma because Underworth winning games is a good thing, but. If his players are playing a similar style, they can slot right in a little more comfortably. I don't know who wants to lead on that, but uh, this will be kind of our last question. Um, I'll lead this way. But I think that's, you know, in an ideal world, that's what you'd do. But can you really 
identify to Everton's first team yet have an identifiable style. Like it's easy to point at Liverpool and say that because oh, you know they've yeah. got an identifiable <laughs> style with an identifiable sort of you know manager. We change manager a lot, and we've had a massive, massive turnover of players and recycled the squad so much. I think it's a case of wanting you know wanting to run before you can. Before you can crawl, I think we need to get this first team settled, gelled, and into a style first for like a year or two before you can then start to look at the, you know, the 23s and say you need to copy that. Because right now, if you're told Unsworth, copy the first teams, like, well, which one? Because we played different ways all season. Yeah, on that, Terry, just uh, should they have considered that when picking their first team manager? Um, yeah, probably, but I'm sure they would argue that they did. But the first team manager didn't implement the style because you know we all thought uh, the, the the common thought was we're going to play four three three this season and and so on and then one injury happens and then we suddenly abandon it and we go you know back to mm-hmm. the four two three one which wasn't working for many games and I don't know I think um, expecting the under twenty threes to mimic the first team when the first teams played one way under Duncan and another way under Carlo and another way under um, Silver I mean look at the way. Ferguson had the team set up um, distribution-wise compared to Carlo Ancelotti. He's got them playing around the back again. So I think it's very unfair to expect the under-23s to mimic the first team and the first team isn't even settled for a style, if nothing else. Terry, that's so fair and considerate. I'm sure that Normally, they're... Terry just bashes everybody I'm and he's just sure... being so kind right now. What's the deal? I'm sure it is the long-term goal. But, you know, one thing at a time, like, you can't, like Sam said, you know, 2021, 20, 22 might be when, you know, we start to see a little bit more of that because we'll be, you know, several years down the line of the first teams of um, redevelopment and, you know, fingers crossed it's the same manager and there's an implemented style. Mm-hmm. So, Sam, similar question. How are you feeling about it? I think... Or not similar, same question. Yeah, <laughs> It's all been nicely kind of addressed uh, by Terry. Similar thinking that it is difficult, and, and in the long term, it probably is the goal for us all to kind of from from first team down to under six, under sevens. What, what we probably have at the academy at the moment that we all uh, look to play the same. But but for now, uh, sometimes I think some of the, the criticism that can kind of get levelled towards Everton and the under-23s and, and and maybe even David Unsworth himself is unfair because. People still forget that Unsworth has worked with Davies, Dahl, Calvert-Lewin, Holgate, Luckman, now Anthony Gordon as well. You know, so he's working with these lads, and he's, he's still making players for the first team, and he's making players who, who are going out and having pretty successful spells out, out on loan as well. You know, so he, he's making footballers. Um, I think probably yeah. At, at times you, you can watch them and maybe think that the the performances aren't, aren't on a level of uh, kind of fluidity with with the first team, but as Teddy said, I, I don't know what that what this kind of mysterious Everton style is that everyone keeps talking about that that they should be playing. So that is obviously maybe while this period of upheaval has been going on with with a managerial many go round for Unsworth, he probably just thinks you know when when you go and see him, he, he demands a lot from these players. He wants work from these players. They respect him, um, but but he's also a very good man manager with them as well. Um, so I still think that, the, that there's a level of credit that, that, that needs to be kind of given. I, I, I also think that, you know, it's not David Unsworth handing out these contracts to players and then he's given these lads and he's got to kind of work with them, hasn't he? You know, he's the one, he's still giving Beningami 
you know, they couldn't find Beningami a deal, so he goes back to Unsworth. Same with Evans, you know, then he's given under 18s to work with, then he's got first team lads asking to play as well. So it's, again, as I said earlier, it's, it's not always what it's cracked up to be, but I definitely think, as I've said there, in the next two or three seasons, as frustratingly long as that might sound, I do probably think there'll be more of a, um, more of an insight in the under-23s into maybe playing in a similar style for the first team. But first and foremost, we have to keep a first team manager long enough. So that's the that's the first concern, I think. Yeah, that's that was kind of the... Uh, and I think those are both very reasonable and uh, measured responses. I, I agree with those. Um I think the the main thing was thinking, okay, well, if we're going to hire a first-team manager, let's make sure it's one that has a discernible style. And with Ancelotti, he usually moves into a team and tweaks things that are already in place in order to make them more successful rather than bringing, like, I don't know, uh, some of some managers, they come in and it's, it's, it's a total overhaul and they know exactly what they want to do regardless of what kind of players they have. With Ancelotti, he looks at what the players he has are and he kind of goes from there. So uh, not exactly the type of a normal type of manager that you want to uh, build a style around, per se. Um, however, right now, uh, that's not a criticism. I think he's an awesome manager, and I'm excited to have him. <laughs> it's just it's at odds with that kind of ideal plan with an academy. So I'll be curious to see over the next few years how this kind of develops. It does seem that patience is in order. So, yeah, I feel like that's reasonable to me. I'm good with that. Plus, I feel like you guys are pretty logical, and I'm down with standing on your side. All right, so <laughs> so we're going to finish up. That's uh, that's the end of our U23s talk. Uh, I feel like this could have gone longer, um, but it's already long, and you know what? Sam's got to play a football game later, so, yeah, that happens. Uh, and I've got to coach one, so there's that. <laughs> so. so so uh, so anyway, that's it for our U23s talk. Stay tuned. We're going to do a Worst of the Decade segment, so uh, hang on in there. Uh, gentlemen, this should be fun. We're doing a worst of the decade segment. It is still January. We're hitting that grace period for dot 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 of the decade segments. So this is our worst signings of the decade, and uh, I feel like you know these guys have a little more insight because they they actually have watched the entire decade's worth of Everton, whereas I have not. I'll be giving you about two thirds of the decade because I don't want to put a name on my list that I didn't watch play. That's just nonsense. So, um, I'm going to lead with Terry because I led with Sam last time. Uh, do we want to go positionally and just kind of go round table or have uh, each of us say our team uh, in full, make comments, and then uh, rotate? What's the preference? We do um, positionally, like... Defence, midfield, attack, goalkeeper, rather than like right back, left back, you know that kind of thing. By the way, the, that, that sounds like a compromise. The, the last two thirds of the of the decades, you're still probably going to get everyone that we've got because it got worse as the decade went on. Like Moyes didn't particularly didn't especially buy many bad players. Got you. 
probably exciting. You'll have seen all these players, I'm sure. <laughs> then I don't feel as bad. I, 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 I felt ill-equipped. I want to make sure. All right, so let's begin with the defense, and that includes keeper. So Terry, what do you got, man? Um, well, I went for a three-man defense because I couldn't think of a fourth one. Um, that was more deserving than some others in further up the pitch. So I've gone for Stecklenberg in goal. Goalkeeper was quite difficult because you know you don't get many. We've had literally you know Howard, Pickford, Robles, Stecklenberg, I think, and that's it. Like as proper first team keepers. And of that list, Stecklenberg was the worst. There's some t- I mean, I, I'm going to be quite harsh. I don't know how harsh Sam can be when he, you know with his professional cap on, but I'm going to be terrible. <laughs> I'm gonna swear and everything. Um, basically, yeah, he's like a hologram sometimes, and you know he's had the odd good game like away at Man City, but other than that, he's just crap, isn't he? Like, there's, I, I don't know why he was getting on the bench ahead of Lossell. I'm not even sure Lossell's any good either, but he can't be much worse than Stecklenberg. Mm. So, um, all right, so that's sorry, keep no, going. Go on, go on. No, no, no. I, was, I wasn't I was sure. You did that pause thing, and I wasn't sure if you were going to keep going with the rest of your defense. I was going to ask, shall I keep going, or will you do your keep? Yes, yeah. yes. <laughs> keep going, man. Um, okay, I've got a back three. Cuco Martina is the first one. Um, he was going to be, if I did a flat back four, in the left-back spot. He tried. He really did. He, no problem with his application or his attitude. He's just not a very good footballer. He, he was... He, he was he's a poor he was brought in for free to cover position and he's just not a Premier League player, let's be honest. And and when you look at the defenders bought across that ten year period, Luke Garbrook just misses out. He was bought in two thousand and nine. Um Antonin mm-hmm. Alcaraz, another hologram, mm-hmm. waste of space, um practically cost us uh, our Europa League campaign in Martinez's second year by giving the goal away in the home leg against Kiev. Again, these are three free transfers. That's how bad they are as footballers that I'm considering free mm-hmm. transfers is awful. And another one who wasn't a free transfer who's my top worst defender, Ashley Williams. Fella was an absolute idiot. He embarrassed the club on on a continental level by in a European game, starting a pointless fight with the Roma goalkeeper. It wasn't his fault the fan got involved, but getting himself sent off on purpose in other games. Every time he'd give a goal away, make a mistake, he'd just put his face in his shirt. The least professional player we've had in a long time. Like, you know, come back to pre-season, unfit and overweight. Absolute idiot. I've got no time for him whatsoever. Okay. All right, Sam. Uh, A few positions that I couldn't couldn't quite get to be honest. I, I, I'm more. Di- I don't really agree with Stekelenberg. I don't think since we've signed Pickford, he hasn't really played a game. So you know, neither here nor there with with the goalkeeper. And the, the weird one for me is the, Ash- the Ashley Williams thing. I generally think in the first in the first season, the Cumin is probably one of our better players in that season, which a lot of people forget because it just quite quickly went downhill the following season. Uh, defenders I've, I've got in so far. Kuko, unfortunately, um, just wasn't quite up to scratch. And then you can forget the kind of the Mangala loan deal as well, which just didn't didn't go well at all. And Alcaraz as, as well. So, um, yeah, the, the Mangala one is one that sticks out for me. I remember thinking that maybe it could be a bit of a, 
I don't know, I thought at the time it might have been a bit of a masterstroke. You know, he had the kind of he had all the attributes that you'd kind of want in a, in a top-level centre-back. And, you know, I kind of thought maybe we'd go back to the old days, like Moise, where you'd get your Arteta-style player, your Pienaar. You know, someone who had had previously kind of been touted as going to be a top player and, and hadn't quite reached those expectations, but quite quickly went downhill with him. So, yeah, they're, they're the three defenders I can kind of come up with so far. Both Teddy can, can has filled in the gaps a little bit as well. But, yeah... Difficult with, with defenders. We haven't really signed in the last 10 years awful, awful defenders. Do you know what I mean? Some people might make points that we've maybe overpaid for a few, but it's, it's definitely the attack in the midfield where we've uh, wasted a lot of cash in the last few years. Yeah, uh, you guys pointed out by by giving presenting your teams my big dilemma when doing these is the fact that do you pick a player that we loaned that got hurt immediately and hardly played at all. But it was a loan. Or do you pick a player who actually had some decent games, but we paid money for and eventually became someone we just don't like? So it's weird. It seems like one costs more money, but the other, on the other hand, may have actually put in more decent games. That's been my big dilemma, like, between trying to pick some of these. I didn't pick a lot of lone players, um, just because I knew they'd go right back. Uh, and some of the, like, that was my reasoning for, like, I picked, I, I have the exact same people as Terry does. For defenders. Yeah. Exact same three. Um, initially, I had Martina for left and right back. <laughs> 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 but I ended up making him more for a left back because the poor guy just had no left foot. So every single time he would make a run down the left, he'd have to cut back, use his right, cost time, and not actually get the cross off. Um, again, he did try hard. That's, that's one of the things about some of these signings that I, we're going to be talking about later. Some of these players, I feel like we may have purchased, but just didn't get much of a chance. Yeah. Because, like, yeah. So... We'll get there, but I had uh, I, I had trouble between, because the keepers was like the t- was the t- toughest thing for me, and I, I I thought about Robles. And I was like, no, he had some decent games, but the fact that we, you know, he, I was thinking he was going to be heir apparent to, to Howard, and it didn't end up shaping up like that. I was disappointed, but then Steck came in, had a game or two, but then he was disappointing. Like, which one was the most disappointing? And I, I think I leaned on Steck for that. Just because I think, uh, just because he is still here, and I don't know that he's up to scratch for being a Premier League backup still. Like I just don't know that he should be. So, anyway, Stecklenburg, Alcaraz, Williams, and Martina. That's my D. All right, um, and I got a funky formation. <laughs> it's just a weird formation because I'm trying to fit in. Let's be honest, we signed more dud attackers than anything else. So that just kind of happens. Uh, so let's shift over to midfield, Terry. Right, um, right midfield. I've got Aiden McGeezy, terrible player. Just a dog, just, just just a bad player. When you when you can't get in Roberto Martinez's team in the in the second and third seasons, I can't remember. There was a particular cup game, wasn't there? That he was absolutely. I, I can't remember who it was against, but. I think even Martinez um, said to him, it came out eventually that um, when he said, why aren't I in the team? And he'd say, I can't remember the team. Say so say it was Gillingham, he'd just say Gillingham. Because like, he, he was just a horrendous player for me. Um, 
Left midfield, uh, Yannick Balassi. Now, this one feels a little bit more harsh, but it's just a bad buy for the sense of we massively overpaid for him. Because he was half decent at, um, at Crystal Palace, but he was never worth what we paid. £30 million. Pounds. This is pre-Neymar like deal inflation before the market went mad. So it was a lot of money then. And he ruptured his ACL within within a couple of months and he's never been the same player since. We've hardly got a lot of use out of him and now he's on that sort of um, loan purgatory now where he's probably just going to run his contract down. I don't have a problem with him as a, I didn't think he was a bad player but it's like £30 million on a player who you'd only get like three months out of before his career is done in by an injury. Or, you know, his career is hampered a lot by an injury. So he's he's my left mid. Centre midfield, it kills me to do this one. But you just can't not have him. Davy Klassan. He came with such hype. I was so excited for him. I championed him all season that year. And, and I was just, he just needs a chance, just needs a chance. But a player who comes in, and then 12 months later, we have to make a loss on. And it, it is disappointing. And the, the centre midfielders, there was other midfielders who, who you know, you can't, might have put in there. But I just think, you know what, well, he came in with such hype. And, and, you know, physically, I just don't think he could do it. I think he had the technical ability as a footballer. I think he still does. But he was just knocked off the ball too easily. He just wasn't a Premier League player. And it was, it's just biggest disappointment on me team, for sure. And me... Um, Last centre midfield that is a player who's still here, Morgan Schneidlin. Can't stand. I knew you'd go there. I, can't. I knew you'd I'm go there. Sorry to the Morgan Schneidlin fans, the, you know, both of you. I'm just absolutely, I can't stand them. <laughs> a, a player who we spent £20 million on and is on, well, a lot. He's on a lot of money. Let's safe to say, well, you know, some of the numbers are probably wrong, but he's one of the top, the higher earners, I'm sure. And the effort he puts in is just a season on season where he's letting people go past him so easily because he's not, you know, fighting to get the ball. He's, you know, he's on the floor and he's not getting up quickly to close his man back down. Uh, I, I, I'm not a fan. I'll, I'll be happy the day we move him on because I just don't see, I, I just don't see an Everton player in him. So he's got to be one of my worst buys because he was brought in to be a key player in the team and he's still here and he's still letting us down in games now. Um. So I'm going to go ahead and jump in line just because my team is almost exactly like Terry's, except I took Schneiderlin off my team only because of that first year. Um, I'm just being hyper inconsistent, and I put Williams in my team despite his first year and left Schneiderlin out because of his first year. Uh, but yeah, uh, that's, I told you, funky formation. McGeady, Klaassen, Bolasi is my midfield. Makes no sense. I don't care. Uh, I just wanted to throw another attacker in my uh, another forward in my uh, for, in my formation, just because it, I don't know. Uh, just yeah, we didn't just didn't get enough good time, like uh, good solid games out of the players that I have listed here. But yeah, I'm. I agree that Bolasi does feel harsh because of the injury, but and and uh, I think he actually. Follows the Toffee Blues, which so <laughs> I'm just kind of like, oh no! But <laughs> probably, probably doesn't now. But sorry, Yannick. Yeah, yeah. But at the same, yeah. And I and I actually I was one of those. Who, I I didn't mind the signing. Uh, I I felt like it was the beginning of the inflation period. But Terry, you're right. It was right before the big. Um, yeah. 
So anyway, yeah, and I, I actually watched Davy Clawson play for Bremen, like on Bundesliga, you know, often, and I, you know, he's not setting it necessarily on fire there, either. So it does kind of tell you something. Um, it was a big loss, money wise, on him. Uh, so Sam, who's your, who are your midfielders? Yeah, I think it's, uh, I think it's difficult to to disagree with with, with what you have kind of been going along with. For, for me, uh, the, the only the only story I can kind of go with on this is that I remember the day we signed Davy Classen, and uh, me and my mates had gone to gone to Vegas for our twenty first, and I remember being like absolutely bladdered next to the pool, and my mate it was five Everton. Father of Pudlians and me and my mates fought Everton. And I remember taking him to one side and I was like, and he said, we've signed Classen and Pickford. And even though I'd never seen Classen kick a ball in my life, I, I said, I took him to one side and I was like, lad, I wouldn't say it to any of these, but I reckon we're going to win the league this season. And I was just convinced. I just thought after that last season at Rom that we'd signed the Ajax captain and England's future number one. And I just couldn't see where we'd lose. Uh, I agree with McGeady as well. I think that's a great show from Teddy. I think you just forget how bad Aiden was for whatever reason. It just didn't didn't happen. And another one who was sometimes a little bit did question his kind of off-field attitude with some of the shapes you've seen him in. And also Scran and the Mackies the other week. And he was playing for Sunderland, didn't go down too well. Um, <laughs> but lastly, uh, I'd agree with Jerry in the, in the sense that I think it's, it's harsh. Uh, he, he was certainly not playing his best football when he got injured, but I still kind of... I just still love him for those first few games when him and Ron were just linking up and mm-hmm. linking up so much they developed their own language. Was it? Can't quite remember what it was called, but I just remember that hysterical partnership, brilliant. And I, I always just kind of liked Yannick. He was one of my favourite players when he didn't play for Everton. So uh, I, I'll, I'll, I'm not going to put him in. Ireland difficult because he plays for Everton at the moment, and I just think just so much has happened in the last few years that's difficult to routine. Again, as Jenny. He pointed out, thought those first six months, I remember saying to me, Dad, this fella's the best centre mid I've ever seen. Don't care. Um, but it quite worked out that way. And I'm not really sure who else to, to kind of throw in there. All right, let's move to attackers now. Um, Terry, what do you got attackers-wise? This one was probably the most difficult. Not for lack of choice, but like who to include and why. So there's... there's um, Sandro Ramirez, like he, he wasn't brought for a lot of money, but he's you know reportedly on very big wages, and he's a player who we're never gonna we're never gonna see anything back for that. Are we? We're paying him a lot of money each week, and he's going out on loan like consistently to clubs who I'm sure can't afford to pay the lion's share of that contract. So we're probably still losing a fair whack each week, and he's he, unless he's you know takes a massive drop in wages, which I wouldn't blame anyone for not doing. We're probably going to have to wait until his contract runs out to get rid of him. So not a big transfer fee, but a lot of money spent on a player who just hasn't worked in this league. So, you know, feel bad for him because, you know, he was a decent-looking player before we bought him. Every club has these signings where everything looks like it's going to be great. You know, he's, you know, cheap buyout clause. He's performing well in a decent league. Young, everything. Look, I mean, he doesn't look young, but he is. Um, he's... Everything, all the boxes like are ticked. Everything you know should work, but then it just doesn't happen. So it's unfair. I can't blame even though everyone, rightly so, loves to blame Walsh and Koeman. I can't blame them for Sandro. That one should have worked. It just didn't. But he's on the list. 
Um, uh, the, the man himself, Prince Umanias. <laughs> he works his he works his ass off. He's actually you know contributed to the team at times. But he is a horrendous footballer. I don't want to. I, it, I can't lose sight of the fact that he is a poor, poor player, and we spent fourteen million pounds on him. I think I'm sure. I, I Russian like news outlet were like laughing or something when um when we bought him or so, some 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 source when we bought him said uh, Everton have gone mad. Like and everyone at the time was like, what? Like you know he's meant to be good. This player I'm sure is is. I, yeah, I watched his YouTube highlights when we signed him, as as you do, and one of his highlights is an own goal. So that was a sign of things to come. Just you know, good, good mentality, good work rates. Been mistreated at the club in the past, but just for bad buys, he's got to be the worst. I think of a, I mean, like for for quality of player compared to price, awful. Then my third one, I was I was torn between two two strikers. One was down the Mangala route, which was Lucina Traore. Came in, scored a goal, injured, never seen again. So that was a bit of like, you know, a bubble burst. But then I, either him or Aruna Kone for a sort of like better version of Nias, where not a good enough player, not an Everton player, but, you know, did work hard, did score a few goals. But in fact, yeah, I'm going to go with Kone. He just... He wasn't good enough. He was constantly injured. He was brought in um, to be the striker, let's be honest, when, when Martinez came in. Because Lukaku came in in the same summer, but he came in on the deadline day. And I think it was Bill Kenwright who even said um, in an appearance later down the line, might have even been the end of season awards, who said he actually called Chelsea to see if they could loan Demba Bar. And, um, and Chelsea went, no, Butchers want to loan Lukaku. And Ken Wright basically went, are you joking? So I think the Lukaku loan, total accidental Lukaku loan, saved our season because we were planning on using Naruna Kone and Zemba Baras, our two forwards. And that would have been a very different mm-hmm. story. I don't think Martinez would have lasted three years without Lukaku. So I'm going to go with Kone. Traore, just unlucky. Gotcha. All right. Sam. Who are your attackers? Uh, went a little bit left field with for mine. Sandro Ramirez will obviously be in there. Another player who, uh, funnily enough, that same summer was in Vegas. Then I was in Spain with my other mate a few months later when we signed Sandro. And every night they were playing La Liga goals on the telly, and he was banging them in for like twenty yards. And I just remember like just being like, lad, thirty goals a season mm. right there. Got the next <laughs> the next big thing, and that never worked out. And then I've just gone for two just. Just bad transfers uh, that weren't expensive, but Leandro Rodriguez, absolute terrible signing. Um, awful. And then Shani Tadajai, who's on there, on loan at FC Emin this season. Still still an Everton player somehow. you know. And, and I think, as, as Teddy pointed out before, what, what kind of rankles me is that you know we, when we signed him, he played for Switzerland in the Euros. This wasn't like a two or three year kind of project signing he was a full international um, and funny enough last year I went to watch the 23 game where he was involved and uh, after the first half and he, he quite visibly looked out of shape and I kind of wrote just saying something along those lines and got absolutely panned for it and everyone was saying I was I was a bully I think someone literally called me a bully of Shani Tadajai so Shani I'm not a bully I hope you I hope you have a long and successful career but just not it hasn't quite worked out for you, Everton, unfortunately. 
Isn't he out of contract this summer, but he's on like a two-year loan, or have I just got his contract wrong? Is he... Some kind, of, some kind of vagueness to, to that, I'm not quite sure. Probably something he's looking into. Yeah, it was really weird. I had forgotten about him, because I remember him playing in the Euros, and I actually thought he, thought he looked good. I thought he was playing quite well in that tournament, and I was really excited about him coming. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I totally forgot about him. I think I would have included him. Totally forgot about him. I did include... One of the more mystifying signings for Everton that I could think of. You mentioned him, Leandro Rodriguez. That was a weird one. That was a very, very strange transfer. Uh, the the transfer fee was small. Uh, the way uh, Martinez like kind of built him up, like he was going to be like this really great finisher. He just needed to bet in, have some more time, and he got to play. He actually got to play some. Uh, I feel like it was a it was a cup match he got to play in, uh, and just you know you couldn't tell what was going to go on with this guy. Uh, and then there was these rumors of him being homesick, and then all of a sudden he's he's off to Belgium, and it was just the weirdest transfer. It was so strange him to come out of Uruguay. <laughs> uh, just it was just the weirdest thing, man. Uh, so Leandro Rodriguez was was one that. Uh, I, I like to reference in terms of out of nowhere signings for Everton. I got to put Sandro on there. Sandro, I, I got to be honest, I was a believer. I was drinking Sandro's Kool Aid. I was all about it. I thought, I thought he was just like you said. I mean, he was hammering them in from you know outside the eighteen. I was like, this is going to be amazing. You know, they've brought in like. <laughs> I, I I was so excited about Sandro. I feel so ashamed. Uh, uh, so yeah, he's on my list. And then uh, to round it out, because I'm the genius who has four strikers on his team. Yeah, uh, I I've got Kone and Nias. You know, but it was a, it was a grapple because Lucina Traore I thought you know deserved mentioning. And you know what? It's kind of it sounds jerkish. But because of the larger transfer fee, I feel like some discussion and the fact that he's not been sold yet at all, I feel like you have to at least mention Jink Tosun. I like him. He works hard. I think he's a great attitude, and I think he can provide goals for a team out there. It may even be Palace. We'll see. But, but, does not work for what we're trying to do. Has not really had a, a hugely extended run in the, in the team because... Typically, the managers have looked for something different in that position, um, and I don't know that we're going to get any. I don't know if we're going to get anything near. I guess it depends uh, near what we paid. It depends on what Palace, what happens at Palace. So I'm not willing to put him on the list yet. No. But at least I think he's worth mentioning. No, I don't think he's worth mentioning. He's got no business being on that list. He's the look at the companies around there. He, he doesn't fit what we're trying to do now, and it was an ill thought out signing. But that's. Mm. That's Jerry for someone who's so level. That's incredibly harsh on Tosin. I think. I I I'm telling you, if I look at how much was paid for him and what we end up getting for him, that's what that's one of the things I'm judging on this. Davy Clausen, what did we pay for Davy Clausen, and what did we get back for him? That in in the in how many games did he play for us? Not much, mm. right? So that ends up being a bad signing based on that logic. When it's all said and done, if we end up getting close to what we got for Davy Clausen, I feel like it has to be part of it. You know, 
I like him, but and again, he has scored some goals, and I think he works his socks off when he plays. But because of the big investment, yeah, man, that's the only reason. He's not on my list, but he made my, like, big list from which I was pulling, you know? So, yeah, it's, and, and, and I don't like saying it, you know? <laughs> I like the guy a lot, and I really wanted him to work. And I, who knows, you know, maybe one day he may still even work for us, but not with this setup. So, yeah, I, Terry, I hear you. It pained me, okay? But if I'm going to be at least slightly consistent, I have to consider him in the same Clausen vein, which it may be. We'll see. So, anyway, I hope he goes to Bundesliga and scores 40 a year. <laughs> That's what I hope happens. Because I think it's feasible, but yeah. All right. Anything else? Anybody who deserves an honorable mention that we haven't mentioned? I think Mackay Gay is breathing a sigh of relief, isn't he? <laughs> just I didn't get to watch him play very much, to be yeah. fair. So yeah, much. wasn't very good. Mm. All right, so we've named them all. Interesting. Okay, well, I guess that's it for our worst in the decade segment. Now that Terry considers me an irrational bastard. <laughs> First time. All right. <laughs> the fact that it's taken him this long to figure it out. Um, so, yeah. Anyway, that's it for our worst of the decade segment. All right. Let's get started. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, it's time for If You Know Your History, the Everton-based quiz segment that pits Sam against Terry in a Toffee's Cage match of wit and might. Uh, so uh, it's a starting 11 quiz. That's what's going to happen. Uh, these gentlemen will go back and forth naming starters for a particular match from the past. And uh, whoever misses first is the loser. Whoever wins, besides earning that winning feeling <laughs> where they, they, they can take it with them the rest of their days, they will also pick the, uh, the, the tune to which we will wrangle out to for the podcast. So, gentlemen, be thinking about songs you like. So, Sam, I will give you the honors. I have a fake coin here, which I will flip. It is a fake 50-cent piece. It is very plastic. I don't know why I have it. So call it in the air, heads or tails. Tails. It is heads. Yeah. So... Terry, would you like to go first or second? I would like to go second, please. Terry wants to go second, so... Okay. So, begin intense quiz music. (laughs) Oh, there it is. It's very intense. Listen to how intense it is. It's like listening to Inception. Uh, So... Here's what's going to happen. I will name the uh, the match, and then you give the starters back and forth. Sam, you will begin. Gentlemen, the match in question is from the 13th of July, 2017. Gomaya 1, Everton 2. Oh, no. Enjoy this one, friends. Uh, so, Sam, if you could uh, name a starter from that match, please. Wayne Rooney. 
Wayne Rooney is a hit. That is correct. Terry, what do you got for me? This could be a very short one. Um, <laughs> James McCarthy. James McCarthy was a starter. And by the way, guys, if you name people on the bench or that played, that is acceptable. Just saying. Okay? Um, so, Sam. Just, just because I remember him, I think I remember him celebrating with Rooney, Keaton Dowell. Kieran Dowell. He did not start, but he subbed in. Yes. Stecklenberg. Stecklenberg did start. That's going to be tasty, this. Um, <laughs> I will go for... Did you say someone? Sorry, yeah. the feed. No, not, not just yet. Uh, oh, okay. Jagielka? Jagielka started, yes. Well done. Terry? Adamola Luckman. Yes, he started as well. I'm doing a lot better than I thought I would. I only remember. Yeah, this is okay. I literally only remember James McCarthy and everyone else has been like just, you know, guesswork. Sam, who do you got? Leighton Baines, surely. Yes, he was a sub. Took me a second to find him on the list. <laughs> Is it sub? Terry, can you have can you have a sub if he didn't come on? Well, that's interesting. Normally in these quizzes, that is it wouldn't count if it was a sub that didn't come on. But that was what was funny about this particular game. And that's I'll leave it like that, and I'll wait till the end of the quiz before I keep going. Okay. Hopefully that doesn't change the way you make your answers, but I don't want to ruin and, anything. And no, no, I know one player who definitely was on the bench, but I don't think he came on. So like, it, it, it's difficult for me. I, mm, see, what I Jerry can't say said, anything. What Jerry said, it makes me think that they all came on. I am not giving any hints at all. That's all I'll say. <laughs> <laughs> Terry, what do you got? John Joe Kenny. John Joe Kenny started. Well done. Sam. Davey Classon. Davey Classon started. Terrence. going to go for a, a, a risky one now Matthew Pennington Matthew Pennington did he was a sub uh, my next one Michael Keane Michael Keane was a sub he played yes Dominic Calvert-Lewin Sub who played, yes. Add them all a look. Have we said have you said Luckman? Uh, you yes, said Luckman. Yes. Um 
have to be another striker in there, surely. Front that season. And into later. Getting down to the nitty gritty now, I think, isn't it? Be my lot, I think. Um, Tom, Tom Davies. Tom Davies. It's a sub that played. Yes. Terry. Um, Nikola Vlasic. Regret to inform. Vlasic is not on the list. No. Oh, it was so close, but Vlasic was not. Yes, all the subs played. I think it was one of those things where they played 11 and then shoved the other 11 in later. Um, no, that wouldn't make sense because Dowell's celebrating with Rooney. So, at some point, I was told that all, all the subs played. So... Uh, that would mean that even Hewalt played. So, um, the rest of the uh, starters, um, Terry, you being a super fan of this player, uh, Ashley Williams, he <laughs> started. Uh, Connolly started. Uh, Morgan Schneiderlin, Aaron Lennon, okay, and that's all the starters. And the uh, bench players, uh, Hewalt. Uh, Kevin Morales, uh, Idrissa Ghana Gay, uh. Gareth Barry, and Mo Besich. So, and uh, goal scorers, by the way. Rooney had one in the 35th minute. Then a couple minutes later, I believe it's a player from Guamaya that scored. Tuyasinga? Hmm. That is a guess. I don't know. I, I'm assuming I pronounced that perfectly. Uh, and then late in the game, Kieran Dowell with the winning goal in the 82nd minute. All right? So, gentlemen, that is, uh, that is it. That was unexpected. Uh, Toffee Blues Quizmaster John, well done for uh, playing it snide and dirty there. Well done. Sam, you, congratulations. Terry, I will Thank give you... you uh, a, a lesser congratulations. You performed admirably, despite thinking, oh, no, as soon as you heard the title. So, <laughs> good job, bud. Sam, what song do you want us to play uh, Play out the show to? Pick any song I want. Yeah, we just have to talk about it a little bit to, to make it legal. Um, literally any song ever. Sure. Yeah, I'll go for Sure. Uh, going away to college by Blink One Eighty Two. Going away to college, Blink One Eighty Two. So why? Uh, just massive, massive Blink One Eighty Two fan. Listening to that song quite a lot lately. Think it, think it's a song that everyone can, everyone can get behind. Song about falling in love, isn't it? So there we go. Romantic end to the show. It's about me falling in love with you and Teddy over the course of the last hour. Oh, see, just how nice is this guy? <laughs> Terry, you look like... Oh, sorry, you look like you were about to say something. I have you heard from Tom DeLonge um, recently? He's lost his mind. Yeah, he's massively into UFOs. Like, And he went on the Joe Rogan podcast and was talking about it. 
and you could just sort of tell Joe Rogan thought he was dead weird because he was so intense with it and like <laughs> he's lost his he's gone off his head yeah, I was never actually the biggest Blink 182 fan they're alright I was uh, I was a bit more it was too serious me I liked uh, heavier stuff I was like oh no not a fan of that but yeah they're alright but <laughs> Tom, Tom DeLonge is one crazy guy now well, yeah, I didn't mind. Uh, I liked Blink 182 when they when I first started hearing them. It seemed like they were a little uh, a little grittier, a little I don't know why. For some reason, I I took them more seriously. And then when they started playing more on on MTV, I saw them more as pop, and like I, I didn't like them as much. But I, th- there are some early Blink 182 songs that I dig. Then again, how, how often do I pick The Offspring that I win all the time? <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> they're not they're not really miles away. Uh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, well, they were on they they were on the 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 radio and and uh, MTV around the same times, I believe. So yeah, that's fair enough. Uh, so as we are, as we finish the show to a little bit of uh, Blink One Eighty Two going away to college, it's time to end the Toffee Blues podcast. Uh, if you've been listening, we really appreciate it uh, because we don't know any other way you could enjoy this without listening. It wouldn't make sense. Uh, so if you're sitting there thinking, you know what? I've never seen Sam Carroll. You should you should really get into the Daffy Blues YouTube channel. You could see the fact that he, uh, yeah, you could just bask in his glow <laughs> if you were watching, okay? And you could and you could actually be consuming Terry's beard, with which he is uh, he's very dedicated. Uh, yeah, he's. he's focused on the beard lately so yeah and, and there's nothing to see with me other than the fact that my my hair goes to my toes now uh it's a thing it's really long so uh anyways so check out check out our uh our youtube channel if you can um so uh also if you want more sam please check him out uh i, I said earlier the liverpool echoes uh sam carroll so yeah check him out there but uh twitter He'll tell you when and where he's got stuff dropping. Other podcasts he shows up. He'll tell you. He'll tell you. He'll give you the info. Uh, if you want more Terry, um, get in line is what I'd say. Uh, there's a. It's around the corner just for Terry hugs. So uh, yeah, get a little Terry. Uh, check it. Liverpool Echo fan jury. Check out his Twitter. He is. He, he adds spice to your Twitter life. <laughs> is, is what I would say. Yeah, it's it's a thing. Um, but yeah, uh, check out check out both these guys on the social media. Um, also, if you're if you're not with it yet, check out the Toffee Blues on social media: uh, Instagram, Facebook, uh, Twitter, and just check out the Toffee Blues website. Lots of uh, all things Everton content on there. Uh, you'll even see other people whose last name uh, McAllister dropping content on the Toffee Blues website. You may even know the person who does it. His name is Paul. Yeah, I'm mentioning that because it's Terry's brother. Part of the Brothers McAllister, they were in Home Alone. Just saying. Okay, guys, that's all I got. Uh, much love. Sam, it's really nice to meet you, man. You too. Just, just drop your follow on Twitter so we are now fam Twitter friends. Hey. Yes. Normally, it's just eggs following me, so this is cool. Uh, <laughs> eggs with numbers, really long numbers as their username. So this is nice. Uh, so, uh, Sam, much much thanks to you. Uh, look forward to checking out everything you're putting out lately. Um, Terry, much love, my friend. You take it easy, bud. You too, guys. Pleasure as always. Thank you, Jerry. Thank you, Teddy. See you soon. Yeah. 
Who knew this was going to be a reunion between these guys? It's nuts. Just nuts. For, uh, for Sam and Terry, this is Jerry saying bye. Uh, have a good day, everybody. Bye. Bye.